do appreciate the opportunity to be here, and, and uh, I know what it is to be a pastor and allow someone to fill your pulpit, and I just uh, uh, thank Jake for the honor of allowing me to do that. He asked me to speak a little bit on the association. I am the Associational Missionary for Black River Association. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, it's a group of 24 churches. Uh, each association is a little bit uh, different in size. The one in, uh, I came from Big Creek had 10 in it. Uh, we're supposed to associate together for the good of Christ and do things together. Uh, each church is autonomous. Uh, that's a cool word, isn't it? That just means you're unique and you do your own thing. But uh, if I will, I'll use the analogy, and, and my good friend Dr. McGee was over the Williams Singers for a long time. My daughter was part of that, and, and I appreciated that. He tricked her so well. But each singer had a unique voice. And I've, I've heard my daughter sing. I've heard some of the others. Each singer had a unique voice. But when they got together, they weren't all the same voice. You had bass, alto, soprano, tenor. And I know nothing about music except that. But each of those voices, when they were brought together, harmonized together to create beautiful music at the direction of Dr. McGee. So that's what an association is. They're a group of churches that are unique among themselves, but yet when they come together, they're supposed to create something great for Christ. And that's what it's all about. And so this, this sportsman's dinner, we're going to call it the Hunt Harvest. That's what it's about. We've got a man coming in here that's going to preach the gospel message. Uh, you know, I've used this time and time again. If you're a fisher person, you don't go out there without bait. So we're going to get this and we're going to get people in. We want to get lost people in and tell them about Jesus. Uh, today, a lot of men especially don't want to come into a church. Uh, they think it's going to be something beneath them or kind of sissified or something. And that's, that's far from the, the truth. So we want to get them in there. We want to talk to them. We need help. Uh, we're going to have people cooking fish, but we also need people to just come in and say hi to other people. Uh, it's an amazing thing. I've watched it in my uh, church, and uh, I've seen this. People walk in, and they sit down, and no one from the church talks to them. Well, how likely are those people to come back? Not at all. I wouldn't. And I've heard so many times, especially from young people, I'm looking for something that is real, something that is real. They want to know that it means something in your life. They want to know that it means something to you. And so we'll, we'll need that help. And uh, I hope that we can come together. And, and in the spring, uh, uh, Brother Lyle Hearn and myself, he's from uh, Pastor at White Oak, we're going to try to get together a motorcycle ride. So if you ride and you want to do that, we're going to, we're going to try to do that. And for the same purpose, to get people in so we can tell them about Jesus that might not hear it ordinarily. So anyway, as I look out, you're all looking at me like, so? I get excited about this stuff. And I, I really wish that Christians, those who are followers of Christ, in our communities, our state, and our nation would get excited about Jesus. I mean, not talking about just in the church. I mean, you're here to worship. You walk out of here to serve. And I hope you have some lost friends. Because if you don't have any lost friends, who are you telling about Jesus? You need these lost friends. You need to talk to them, and you need to get these tickets and reach out to them. All right? Enough about that. How about a sermon? Well, Brother Jake told me that he, only, he usually uh, about 30 minutes, but he said I could preach as long as I want to. 
But I'm not going to preach that long because I'd like to come back sometime. <laughs> when I talked to him, I told him, I said, well, when you asked me to preach for you on this, this Sunday, and I, I know he's in Africa and I know why he's gone, I said, I got this scripture, 1 John 1, 9. And so when a, the man got up here this morning preaching my sermon, I thought, uh-oh. I've had this happen before, but that's okay. That just means that's the right sermon. So today we're going to be reading out of 1 John. It's written by the Apostle John. He said, the one that Jesus loved, and he had a love for Jesus. In the Gospel of John, he talks about Jesus in a way that just brings it to light. He said, we touched him, we talked to him, we slept with him, we walked with him, we went everywhere with him. And, and I, I was talking to someone the other day, and <coughs> excuse me, they said, what do you think about this show, The Chosen? And I said, I really like it. I know that they fill in, but I said, I really like it because it, it personalizes these people. The people we read about in the Bible were real people, just as we are. They lived in a different time. They did different things, uh, uh, but they were still just people. Uh, when I was uh, in high school, I, I didn't really want to go to college because I thought, well, I'll just go over there and I'll mess around. I was working out at school, and, and uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to do, and, and so I called a recruiter up, and I, I, I went in the Army because I was tired of people telling me what to do. My grandfather, who was a World War II veteran, tried to enlighten me a little bit, but uh, it, it helped. I remembered what he'd said, but I, I ended up with a guaranteed European option. In other words, I was going to go to Europe, and I was amazed with Europe. I was just, these people were so different. It was mysterious to me. Uh, I'd seen the things, Eiffel Tower, all these things, and, and so I wanted to go there and, and meet these mysterious people that had all the answers. And I was driving a military van, and I would go to the Bundespost, it was German post office, and I learned a little bit of German so I could talk to them. And one morning, I pulled up to a stoplight, and I looked to my left, and there was a man there in a car, and he had a coffee mug. And I looked to my right, and it was a woman. She had kids in the back, and I suddenly realized these mysterious people were just people. They were taking their kids to church. They were going to work. The Bible is so relevant today because we're still just people and we need to know what it has in here and so we're going to we're going to read one verse and if you would stand with me for the reading of the verse first john 1 9 but then i'm going to preach on a little bit more here he says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and father we praise you for this verse for this Verses I'm going to read, God, we just thank you so much for them. We give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to read some more to it, but I want to focus on this verse in particular. Now, John is speaking to the church. He's speaking to save people. I want you to understand that because I've heard this verse used as a salvation prayer, and it is not. It is for us. It is for us that are believers so that we know how we can live. Everything that we go through in our life is in this Bible. Everything that we may encounter is in this Bible. It tells us how to be friends. It tells us how to raise our children. It tells us how to worship together. It even tells us how to deal with our enemies. So it's all here. But he talks about this in verse 4. And these things write unto you 
that your joy may be full. Why is he writing this to this? So that we can be upset, so we know that we're sinners, so that we can look down upon everyone else? No, it's so that our joy may be full. See, being a Christian is not about giving up everything in your life. In fact, it's about gaining everything in your life. It's about finally opening up everything in your life that you had put aside that you didn't know about. That life and that life more abundant is what the Bible talks about. So many people, and I was talking about uh, men, think that, well, if I get saved, I'm going to give up everything that I enjoy. No, you're going to enjoy everything that you have. You're going to come to that point where you realize that Christ died for you and you have such a life that he has given you. But folks, we need to live that life. I heard so many things when I was growing up and I heard things like, well, you know, uh, business is business and you hang that up when you, when you walk out the door. You hang that Christianity up. I heard people in my church saying things like this and I was like, what? I began to think that that's the way it was, that you had two different lives. You had your Christian life, that you come in here and, oh, 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 yeah. But when you got outside the doors, you lived like everyone else. You see, the problem that most people don't witness, they, and witness is just talking to someone about Jesus Christ, is because when they get out there in the world, they don't see anybody different than what they are. We watch the same things, we do the same things, we say the same things, and we should not. When you get saved, you are indwelt with the Holy Ghost. And that word scares a lot of people. Oh, you mean spirit. Well, both of them are in the Bible. You are indwelt with God. And so when you go to an R-rated movie, you can't get out of the door and go, well, now, uh, you need to stay in the car, God. I'll tell you about the movie, and I'll clean it up when I come out. No, we've got to live the life that's exemplary. I'm telling you, I've had folks in my life that I see that are living that life, and I want to live like them. So John is talking about this, and he said, I'm writing these things to you so that your joy may be full. Joy is not happiness, by the way. Happiness is fleeting. Do you know that? You can be at your birthday party, and you can be so happy. You've got all these gifts. You've got everything in front of you, and you open up the gifts, and it's sock with toes in them. Your happiness just went down, didn't it? But you can still be joyful that someone thought of you and gave you that gift even though you're probably never going to wear them. Joy in Christ. He said, I write these things so that your joy may be full so that you can know what you have to do. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross not just so that we could go to heaven but so that we could live here because we still have to live in this old world. That kind of sucks a little bit. Because I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I'm saying, Jesus, come quickly. The more I look around and I say, look at what's going on in this world. As a pastor, I've seen some of the worst of the worst of people. I've been involved in things that I thought I never would, you know, that people's hurts and, and what's going on in their life and that other people don't see. And, and sometimes I, I felt like I'm getting kind of jaded over it, you know, it's just... You know, I look at it so much and the hurt that's in this world. And there is such beauty, too. I see people posting things that look like a Bob Ross painting. They're beautiful colors. That even in a cursed world, it's still got beauty. But there's some hurting people out there. There's some people that are hurting in here right now. 
There's some people in here right now that have hidden all that stuff away. They need Christ. They need us to show them that that life in Christ really means something. That's what John is talking about. He's talking to this church about this. He's telling them, this is what it is, that your joy may be full. Then this is the message which we have heard of him, who Jesus, and declaring to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. I'm getting older now. I'll turn 60 this year. Ray talked about we graduated high school. It was over 40 years ago. I need more light now. I like a lot of light. When I'm reading, my kids will read in a dim light, and I've got to put a flashlight on or something. Light is great, and we like light. In 2009, we had an ice storm where our power went out. We were out for a little more than two weeks. It's amazing what you will do. I mean, you'll walk into a room, a dark room, and you'll flip a light switch like this, knowing the power is out, just hoping the light would come on. So we got our lamps out and lit them up, you know, and, and I was studying my Bible with this lamp when the electricity came back on and the light illuminated everything. I could see darkness. Cockroaches live in darkness. You turn a light on, they scatter. Satan doesn't like light. Evil doesn't like light. We shine lights on everything to, to make it secure. God is light. What does he shine his light on? The darkness of this world. Sin is the darkness of this world. Sin makes everything dark. The Bible says that Satan appears as an angel of light. He just appears that way. He's not. He wants to light up and say, oh, looky here. We've got everything. If you come and do this, it's all great. You know, a lot of the commercials will bring all these things, and I, I've noticed that a lot of the commercials are aimed at my generation because they're playing my generation's music. So even if I don't look up during a football game, I know they're trying to target me with something. And they're trying to make it look bright and beautiful. Oh, you can have this vehicle. They don't tell you about the payment. Oh, if you use this toothpaste, your teeth will be so bright that when you smile, it will blind people. No, it won't. He promised all kinds of things. When God promises things, he promises light. He promises that light to our life. He said his word will be a light into our path. Shines it out. Now, Ray said, I'm a cattle farmer. I've been out there in the darkness. I was out one time and I was pulling a calf. If you know what that means, the cow was having problems and I had to get down there and actually help her, assist her with the calf. And I'd been out there a while. And as I got out there, as I started walking back towards the house, my light went dead. I didn't have any light around me to illuminate my path back to the house. And if you know anything about cow pastures, they're full of stuff you don't want to step in. And so I'm walking back through this pasture, but I looked up, and I could see my house. And as I looked up, I could see the light in the window of my house. And I thought, 
I've got to follow that path. And as I was doing it, I was thinking about that God is light, and that's the way he is. Sometimes I get myself into darkness. Sometimes I am in this world, and I get bogged down with it. Payments, sickness, pain, death, all of these things that life brings to us because we're here. I allow myself to get in the darkness and I have to look up and I see the light of God. And as I looked up, I saw that house and I was thinking, everyone there is warm. I'm cold. My wife has got something to eat up there. I know when I get there, there's going to be the smell of the food. I know that it's home and that light is there. So instead of focusing on all that stuff around me that was dark and all that I was going to walk through... I started focusing on that light and thinking about what that was going to be when I got home. And as I walked and I got closer, I realized my eyes were becoming more acclimated to the darkness and that light was actually shining out a little bit. And the closer I got to the light, the more light I had around me. You see, that's the way God is. He is light and the closer we get to him, the more light there is around me. I love it, what it talks about in, in heaven. There is no need for the moon. There is no need for the sun because the light of the sun is all around us. And I thought about that one day and I thought, if the light of Jesus is all around us, there is no shadow. Even here, we see shadows cast by the lights. There will be no shadow in heaven. It will all be around us. But what do we do in the meantime? We're here. We look towards God's light. He said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Matthew chapter 7 talks about people that will come before Jesus. And Jesus talks about that. He says, not all that call me Lord belong to me. And he talks about these people that come and they say, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that? And didn't we do this? And sometimes what the Bible doesn't say is as more, as more important as what it really does say. Jesus never says, no, you did not. But he said something to them that's so scary to me, some of the scariest verses in the Bible. He said, I never knew you. I'm going to tell you right now that according to those verses, there are people sitting in every church, there are people standing in pulpits, preaching the word of God. There are people that are leading music and teaching Sunday school class that are deacons that Jesus doesn't know. They have fooled themselves. They are walking in darkness instead of walking in the light because they never have accepted it. I've seen people that said they've been saved for 40 years and finally admit, no, I wasn't. I want to tell you this morning, right now, you need to make sure be sure you are saved. He said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's what we're talking about doing, having fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us all from sin. Now, here's what it's talking about for us Christians. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive or we're lying to ourselves and the truth is not in us. As we sit here, we are still in a sinful body, even those who have accepted Christ. I said that one time, and I was talking to a group, and I said, I said, you know, I mess up all the time. I'm kind of like Paul. And I'm going to paraphrase this, but Paul said this. He said, I know the right thing, and I end up not doing that. 
I know the wrong thing and somehow I end up doing that. You ever done that? You identify with that? You get there, you know the wrong thing and somehow you end up doing it anyway. What do we do with that? How do we, how do we accomplish that? Do we just tell everybody, oh no, that's, uh, that's not true, I don't sin? Instead, if we say that we don't sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We need to be honest with our lost friends. We need to let them know, hey, I'm in a sinful body and I still mess up. I told somebody one time when I was in the military, I learned a whole new vocabulary. Some of you are looking, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do too. And when I came home, I didn't realize that I was using that vocabulary and people would tell me, hey, did you just realize what you just said? And What? So I tell young people, don't ever say those words because they are rattling around in your head trying to find a way out of your mouth and they will find that way in the most inopportune time. Garbage in, garbage out is a computer term and that's what it is with our lives. We need to get rid of that and pray, God, don't let me do that. But when we do those things, we need to let our lost friends know, hey, I shouldn't have done that. What are we going to do with God? That's where the verse comes in. He said, if we confess our sins, this is not just going to go, hey, I want to clean my slate so I can do it again. When we confess our sins to God, we come and we repent. That word doesn't get used much anymore. We say, oh, don't use that. That word repent means to do a 180 and try to go the other way. I got a preacher buddy one time, and he said, yeah, you do a 360. And I thought, no, you don't. You'll be going back the same way. But I knew what he meant. We confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful. What does that mean? He will do what he says, and he's just. He is the just, the righteous one. He's the one that we can take it to. I don't want you confessing your sin to me. I'm liable to go, hey, you need to stop doing that. Take it to God because he is the just one. Jesus lived a sinless life here. He said, just, forgive us our sins. Mark 2 has one of my favorite stories. It's where four people bring their friend to Jesus. And they can't get in because there's a crowd all around them. But they didn't let that stop them. Don't ever let anything stop you from getting your lost friends to Jesus. So they climbed up on the roof, and I don't know who thought this up, but one of them decided to go up on the roof, and then one of them got the bright idea to dig a hole through this roof. And I can just imagine them there, and they can listen, and they can hear Jesus. And so they dig his hole in the roof, and they lowered him down, and this guy was crippled. They wanted Jesus to heal him. But instead, Jesus looked at him, and he said, your sins are forgiven. Well, this freaked out everybody around, especially the Pharisees. They were the ones that looked down their nose at everything, and, and they were thinking to themselves, how can anybody forgive sins except God? Duh. Yeah. Jesus is God. 100% man, 100% God. I know my math teachers will tell me, you can't do that. God can. He said, your sins be forgiven. And they were thinking, why can he say this, or how did he say that? And he said, okay, just so you know who I am, to get up and walk. But he forgave his sin. Jesus wants to forgive your sin. He wants you to accept him today as his personal Savior. And once you do that, 
you've got a life new. That you can live in the light. And he wants your joy to be full. He doesn't want you to go around like Eeyore. How many know who Eeyore is? I've said this time and time again, uh, just about every sermon, God doesn't want Eeyore Christians. Eeyore is Winnie the Pooh's little buddy. That's constantly, everything is bad. I look around and I see Christians so much of the time and they sit there and I say, oh yeah, you're in a worshipful spirit. Baptist, man, if you really get spiritual, you do this, right? Man, at least smile. At least smile and know that God is your Savior and you have accepted that free gift and you are bound for heaven, no matter what this world brings, that you've got a home in heaven. You see, I get excited about the gospel. Believe it or not, I'm kind of an introvert. Just talking about most anything, I have difficulty carrying on a conversation. But when I talk about the Lord, I get excited about it. I want you to have that free gift. And I also want you to know that once you get that free gift... When you mess up, you don't look down upon yourself. You don't feel pity for yourself. You take it to God and go, I messed up. Look, folks, I mess up all the time. Some of you know, and you've asked me about my wife. She's not with me today. She's not feeling well today, but she got a diagnosis of bone cancer in May. What was really bad about that is my dad had just died. We buried my dad on a Wednesday. We had her appointment on Thursday and found out her diagnosis. The doctor said, without treatment, one to one and a half years for her to live. My dad had just died. I'd just gone through a lengthy illness and we had put him in the ground and I'd done his uh, funeral service. It had taken a toll on me. And so when we got her diagnosis, which I was not expecting... I will tell you right now, I did not go to God and go, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. I went out in one of my pastures and I cried out as my loud voice. And I said, God, are you going to take everyone from me? I didn't do the right thing. And I knew the right thing. I'd talk to people. But I talked to God. And then I did exactly that. I said, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be this way. Lord, I need you. And God said, it's okay. He said, I'm faithful and I'm just. He said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. His word is not in us. Folks, we need to know this word. Notice says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm going to give you one more analogy of this and I'll let you go because I'd like to come back, like I said. My kids are spread out in age. My oldest son will be 36 in August. He lives in Kentucky his family, my two grandchildren. We've got a daughter, Hannah, who will be 30 this year. 
Maggie, who will be 26, and then we've got Angus, who will be 20 in March. I told you, I'll be 60 this year. You figure out how old I was when he was born. We had been somewhere. Now, Angus is a kid that got into everything. And he would do things, and he would say things that you didn't really want him to say. You didn't say things around him because he would get somewhere and he would say those things. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we had been somewhere, and, I, and honestly, the details kind of get lost now. But he had done some things and said some things, and it was one of those things that I didn't want to do anything right then. But when we were driving home, he's sitting all the way in the back because that's where he got to sit. And I'm sitting there like this. Wait, wait till we get home. I am so mad. When we get home... You've had it. Anger. I was so upset. He had done wrong. He had done what I told him not to. So we went home and I went and I sat in my recliner because I realized I'm so angry that I don't really need to be talking to him right now. So I sit down in my recliner and I'm looking at the TV and I watch him. He's, he's walking by and he... He kind of walks by and he, he, he doesn't really turn his head. He kind of cuts his eyes and looks at me. And he's walking real funny, you know, like this. He's trying to check me out. And he walks off in another room. And so in a minute, he walks back the other way and he kind of cuts his eyes over at me. Still trying to see what I'm going to do. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, what is he doing? This kid's going to drive me nuts. And so I just drop my head down and I'm sitting there and as I'm looking down at the floor, all of a sudden there's two feet in between my two feet. And I'm looking at these little feet and I look up. Now I'm eye to eye with him when I'm sitting. Now when I'm standing up, he's like this. He's a big old boy. But right then I'm sitting in my chair and I'm looking eye to eye with him. And he looks at me with those big old eyes and he says, Daddy, I don't know why, but sometimes I do the wrong thing. And it hit me. It said, this verse right here hit me. I said, how many times have I gone to God to talk to him? And instead of looking down at me, he gets eye to eye with me. And he looks right at me and I tell him, I don't know why, God. But I just do the wrong thing. And I looked at him and I said, son, I said, I love you. I'll always love you. I'm not always happy with you, but I always love you. I said, there will be consequences. But I want you to understand something right now. I'm not angry. And I love you. That's what this verse means right here. That's what all those verses that we've read means. We're supposed to walk. We're supposed to do the right things. We want to walk in the light. We want to walk in the will of the Father. But sometimes we don't. And God says, you don't have to be afraid of me. You don't have to run from me. Come and talk to me. So this morning, I'm telling you right now, as a child of God, if you've got something in your life and you know that, maybe you've hidden it from somebody, you maybe hid it from everybody else, everybody thinks everything's cool with you, and you know it's not, take it to God. Because He's faithful and He's just.
And he'll do exactly what he said he will do. He will forgive you and he'll cleanse it. That's a promise of God that you can rely on. See, God keeps his promises. Even in best of intentions, sometimes we can't keep our promises. But God keeps every one of them. He said, if you'll bring this to me, if you'll confess it, come to me, you are not going to surprise him, believe me. Bring it to him. And he says, I'll forgive you. And it's not the forgiveness of a person where you say, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to remember this. And I'm going to hold it over your head. That's not what this is about. Now, number one, you got to belong to him. You see, Angus is my child. He's mine. He belongs to me. I care about him. Even to this day, I care about him. But now if I go to Walmart and one of your children is having a fit in the aisle, not my child, I'm going to walk on by and laugh because it's not my child. God takes care of his own, but you've got to be one of his. Does that mean he doesn't love you if you don't belong to him? Nope. Except for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That world means cosmos. That's everybody that's ever lived that lives right now. But I'm going to tell you right now, God can love you and you can still go to hell because you did not accept the free gift of salvation. And then once you get that free gift of salvation, you are part of the family. You have been adopted into the family. Adoption is one of the most beautiful things that could ever happen. I got a brother that's two years younger than me, and one of the meanest things I could ever do to him was tell him he was adopted. I did that because my parents had a rule. I couldn't hit him. They got upset at that for some reason. I never understood that. So I went to psychological warfare. I would tell him, you're adopted. I remember the day they brought you home. You don't even look like us. And he would start crying, and then I won until he told on me. But then when I got older, I had friends who adopted, and I realized how ignorant. Y'all like that? Not ignorant, ignorant that I was. Because when they adopted them, they were not just part of the family. They were family. And that's what God does. He adopts us. He says, you're family. But I expect you to live a certain way. And then he made provisions that when we mess up, he said, you can bring it to me. You can bring it to me.